All right. So we're aboard the struggle bus. Still, we're still struggling. You know why? Because we all struggle. The reality is, as, as Christians, as Christ followers, there's a lot of us struggling. And if you ain't struggling, uh, you probably will be soon. Uh, there's uh, something that I find very fundamental, I think, that we miss a lot of times, though. If we are indeed all struggling on this bus, and as Christians, we're on the same bus and we're struggling together, I think that we're missing something a lot of times. And that is the encouragement of other believers. Uh, other believers alongside of us, uh, wrapping our arms around each other, saying, Hey, look, I know that you're hurting. I know that you're in a deep pit of despair right now. And I just want to say that I'm here for you. I am praying for you. Let's take a moment and just talk together. Uh, if there's something heavy on your heart, let's, let's share each other's burdens. I, I know that this is something that Keith happens to be very passionate about, and that is sharing each other's burdens, just talking with one another, dealing with stuff together. I think we miss that a lot of times as Christians. Now, I'm very excited to see, and this is a little out of the norm for us, but typically on Wednesday nights, we have the whole place scattered out, right? Like we're from this, like the last chair over here to the last chair over here, and there, there's usually like about 50 of us, right? The good news is I can't use that as an illustration tonight because you guys are pretty much just packed right here in this spot like a family. And I'm like, you guys ruined my whole illustration. I was going to say, you guys just spread out everywhere, man. You feel like each other stink or something. And you guys ruined that illustration for me. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for messing up my whole illustration. But sometimes I feel like we're not a good encouragement to one another. I feel like... You know, even though we're on this bus together and we're all struggling, we know each other is struggling, sometimes we miss that. And uh, the, I'm smiling right now because I can't get, wait to get to this little video that I've got recorded. Uh, there's something that's kind of come along in the MLB. The, you know, Major League Baseball just started off, what was it, Monday, right? That was like opening day, right? And everybody's fired up about that. And I love the Braves and Chop Chop and all that. But, uh, but there, there is something that I think is hilarious. And... and this is kind of not with my point, but is kind of sort of attached to my point. But <laughs> it, it's something that happens when guys hit home runs in particular. Sometimes, uh, especially with rookies, they like to do this. Connie, do we have the video ready to play? Let's play the video. Yeah, the defensive skills are there. That ball's high and deep. And this is back up against the Jimmy John. You can I don't know why, but I think that is hilarious. Dude hits a home run, and he comes back to the dugout. And, and there's, there's other videos out there. You can look, you look at home run silent treatment. It is hilarious, especially rookies. Like rookies, they'll hit a home run, and they're expecting. And there's one guy, man, he, he comes back to the dugout. He's just high-fiving the air. You know, he's just so excited. He's like, you know, just kind of like that guy, but it's a little more animated than that. He's like high-fiving the air, and 
he just goes and sits down on the bench. And then there's some of them where the guy, he, I mean, they, they drag it out a long time, man. I mean, that guy will hit a home run, you know, and this will be the second one of the game or something. He'll sit down on the bench, and all the other guys are just over there drinking water, you know, and they got their bats propped up. And, you know, and then finally they break down, they go over, and they hug his neck and give him a high five and stuff. I think that happens to be hilarious. But I feel like sometimes the Christian experience is kind of like that, right? Like somebody, you know, you know they, they, they come to Christ, right? And we... I, I, this is kind of bad, but we do this. I mean, we, we may put our hands on them and pray over them and everything like that when somebody comes to Christ, and we're very excited about that. But when the service is over with, what happens? A lot of times that person walks out the door without anybody ever speaking to them, right? I mean, that does happen. Uh, I, I've seen it happen, so I know that it happens. I try my best to encourage those people, and many times I, I'm locked up, you know, talking to many people at that time. But let me, let me say this recognize that they are going to hear a lot of voices that will not be encouraging once they walk out of that door. They will hear a lot of things that, that won't push them closer to Christ. It'll push them away from Christ, as a matter of fact. And, and as Christians, I think that we need to take the opportunity to, to say encouraging words to one another and lift people up and say, hey, look, I know what you did was very difficult, and I know it took a lot of strength for you to stand up and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today. And I just want to say that that, hey, man, that, that, is, that is impressive. Thank you for following Christ. Thank you for being obedient to what Jesus was calling you to do. I know it was difficult. I've been there, man. I, I stood up one day, you know. I, I know how hard it was for me to stand up, and I, I, I feel you. And I, I know how difficult it was for you to stand up and say, yes, I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I think we miss that opportunity a lot of times. I, I think that we as Christians need to step up our game when it comes to encouraging one another. I really do. I really do. Our, our ladies uh, have a, a Facebook thing where they, they lift up prayer requests and they, they kind of talk to each other and, and this is what's going on. I need prayer right now. And, and I think that's a wonderful thing. And I'm going to see how we can somehow you know, expand that maybe. I'm not exactly sure, but, but the guys kind of need to get on board with that too. I'm like the only guy in the ladies' prayer group. So, But anyway... Everybody's like, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. I have to say that with a deeper voice. I'm not surprised by that. But anyway, so we, we, we do. We need, to, we need to lift each other up more. We need to pray for each other more. We need to lean on each other more. And I think we're, we're missing that. So uh, I, I want to uh, flip to Philippians chapter 3 tonight and just look at, at what's going on in the Philippian church. Now, remember, these are letters that, that Paul has written to, to churches as they're struggling with how to be a church. They don't, they're new. They're just starting out. They don't really know what it means to be a church. So Paul's got to correct them in some things. He's got to show them some places where they're struggling, and you got to do some things different. And uh, this particular church, they were dealing with this thing. At this particular time, they're, they're struggling with this idea that, that there's some people saying that in order to be a Christian, you got to keep some of the old Jewish laws, that you got to actually adhere to some of the old Jewish ways, the Jewish customs, and come to Christ at the same time. And one of those things in particular was circumcision. And all the guys go, oh, great, another circumcision uh, sermon. That's great. No, basically it was just saying that in order for you to be a Christian, you've got to adhere to the Jewish, old Jewish traditions, and you've also got to, to believe in Christ. And, and Paul's like, that's not right. That, that's not what it is. He, he says real circumcision comes the circumcision that happens of the heart, where God transforms your heart. And that is real circumcision, and that is what matters, and that is what counts. And he says, you've got to combat these people that, that are trying to tell you something else 
And we've got to deal with that. And he writes us letters, as a matter of fact, to tell them about it. And I want you to hear in Paul's voice how he is, he is trying to encourage believers. And what you see many times, this, this is kind of what, what, what's difficult, I think, is that, is that when, when a person, especially as a new believer, they go, man, I look and I see what's, what's in this book and I, I see how difficult it is and I see how, how hard it is to, 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 to pursue righteousness and to try to do all the right things. And the bottom line is when you come to Christ, you... You, you have to recognize that you're not perfect, that you still have a long way to go, that you still have many things that need to be worked on. And, and as, you, as you get closer to Christ, the closer you get to him, the further you realize you are away from him, right? The more and more you try to do things to be like Christ, the more and more you go, man, i got a long ways to go. There's many things I've got to do in order to, to get there, you know? And, and sometimes we get discouraged by that. But I think that if you look at what the Bible says, the Bible Really, and, and the things that Jesus said when he said, you know, I came to, to heal the sick, those that needed a doctor, those that are not self-righteous, those that recognize that they, they, they're in need of healing. I, I came to heal those people, people that wanted help. He said, that's the people I came for. The people that didn't want help, the people that thought they were good already, he said, that's not the people I came for. I came for the people that wanted help. And I, I think that, that as Christians, sometimes we look at this, man, we go, that is really hard stuff. But I, I think we need to say, you know what, though? You know what the Bible teaches us over and over and over again? Is to keep running the race. Stay in the game. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't say it's too hard. I can't do it. Because as Americans, I, I hate to say this, a, a, in this country in particular, I know I've said this, you know, I, I've kind of been on America you know, Sunday and today. But, but let me say this. As Americans, you know what we tend to do? I think this is something that's very prevalent in this country especially, and that is that we go, you know what, it's too hard, I'm going to quit this and I'm going to go do something else. Isn't that right? I don't like this job, it's too, quit, too hard, so I'm going to quit this job and I'm going to do, do something else. Right? I don't like this relationship, it's too hard, so I'm going to quit this relationship and I'm going to go do something else. Because there are plenty of options out there, so I'm, I'm going to quit this, I'm taking my toys and I'm going home. Right? I'll go find something else to occupy my time. Hard is something we don't really like to deal with. So we just say, we'll quit, and then something else will come along to occupy my time. And they try to play that game with Christianity and Christ, and it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work over and over again. You see in the Bible, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to lay down your life. You're going to have to struggle. But don't quit. But don't quit. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Don't quit. And here Paul writes these letters over and over again. Why does he write the letters? It's not to, yes, it's to correct them and to show them what they need to be doing, but it's also to encourage them to do the right thing. That's the reason three-quarters of the New Testament exists, is to encourage people to do the right thing. So as followers of Christ, yes, we need to help correct those that are new in their walk, but we also need to encourage them on the right path as opposed to just beating them down and saying, you, you, you <laughs> It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. We need to say it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it, right? It's going to be difficult. You're going to struggle, but it's absolutely going to be worth it one day when you're standing in front of your king. Hang in there. Keep fighting. Keep struggling. Don't give up. Don't quit. And that's what Paul says over and over again. Listen to what he says. Beginning in Philippians chapter 3, it says this. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Well, that's a good way to start. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to encourage somebody, say, hey, no matter what happens, good, bad, ugly, or otherwise, you just rejoice in the Lord. Be, be confident that you can have 
You can have peace in the Lord. He says rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens, okay, whatever happens, just rejoice in the Lord. He says, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. You know what Paul says? He says, I never get tired of encouraging you. I never get tired. I never get weary from having to say, come on, man. Come on, let me show you what you need to be doing. I never get tired of doing that. Things to safeguard your faith, to, to, to rescue you. I, I, I never get tired of doing things to throw out that life raft to you. As, as Christ followers, we're supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be ones that, that, that continue to throw out that life raft for those that are struggling, those that are hurting, because we recognize what it's like to be in that position and to try to struggle with being a, a Christ follower. We know how difficult it is. And we're on the same bus together, and we're all struggling together. So let's reach out to some of these people. Because I can guarantee you that, that there are a lot of people that aren't Christ followers that aren't going to be reaching out, that aren't going to be helping, that aren't going to be encouraging. As a matter of fact, they're going to be discouraging. And, and let, me, let me say this, too. If the pattern of your life is one to discourage as opposed to encourage, you really need to evaluate your salvation, and your relationship with Christ. If you look at the fruit of the Spirit, if, you're, if your primary life, if the reflection of your life and what people say about you is not one of encouragement but of discouragement, you really need to examine your relationship with the Holy Spirit and see if you have one and see if the Holy Spirit really lies within you. Because I believe the fruit of the Spirit, I believe it's one of encouragement, not discouragement. I believe that's the pattern you see in Paul's life. So he says, I never get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your faith. I'm trying to protect you. He says in verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we worship by the Spirit of God. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, others have, have reason for confidence in their own efforts. I have even more. He's not being boastful here. You've got to listen to what he's saying. He, first, first of all, he says, he says they're, they're telling you that you've got to be circumcised in order to be saved. He says, that's not true. And us that, 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 are, that are saved and put our faith in Christ and are saved by our faith alone, and we've had circumcision of the heart, we know that. And, and we rest in that truth. He says, but... But these people are trying to tell you something else. They're trying to, to, to push you away from truth. They're, they're trying to discourage you. They're trying to twist the truth and trying to show you something else that's not exactly right. And he says, I'm going to keep encouraging you and showing you what you're supposed to do in order to safeguard your faith. He says, you know, if, if it had something to do with human effort, if it wasn't just what Christ did, he said, if it was something that had to do with human effort, he said, we'd all be messed up, Right? We'd all be messed up. He said, these guys are saying it's something you got to do with human effort. He said, it ain't got nothing to do with human effort. It's got everything to do with what Jesus did. It's got everything to do with what Jesus did. And as we encourage people and we show them truth, we say, this is, this is the way we, we have to do it. Because I, I, I deal with people that are hurting all the time, right? I, and I, you know, I try to encourage them the best way I can. Now, I know that people are like, man, you're really harsh from up there. Uh, behind that pulpit, Kenny. It, sometimes that is true. And sometimes God's word dictates that, that, that it, it's very cut and dry, and that's just the way that it is, and I will not compromise that. 
But one-on-one, when somebody's hurting and struggling and dealing with sin and, and they're really fighting, I promise you I'm, I'm going to be my most encouraging that I'm ever going to be because I want you to not give up. I want you to not quit. I want you to keep on fighting the good fight. And, and, and here we see Paul doing that, and he's, he's, like, he's like saying, hey, it's got nothing to do with human effort but everything to do with Christ Jesus. And if you're struggling... And you come to me and say, Kenny, I want to talk to you about how, I, how I'm struggling. I'm, this is what I'm going to say to you. It's got nothing to do with human effort, but it's got everything to do with Christ Jesus. So, so the, the, the only thing, do you realize the only thing that we can do in, in our struggles, you realize the only thing that we can do is submit to Christ? You realize, to, to fix a situation... To, to, to resolve anything, to have peace about anything, the only way to do anything about it is to completely submit to Christ, to give it over completely to Jesus and say, God, it's in your hands. You have this. I am okay with whatever the result is. It's that kind of faith in saying whatever the end result is, I'm okay with it because it all belongs to you and completely submit it to Christ. And that is the only thing you can do. There is no human effort that can accomplish what Christ can do. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, we think that, well, i got to fix this, right? Oh, guys are the worst. I'm the worst. I, I'm like the biggest. i got to fix it. i got to make it right. I'm a fixer. That's what I do at, at work. I want people to come to me with their problems because I want to fix it. I want to be the go-to guy. I want to be the fix-it guy, okay? That's how I am, okay? That's why it's such a big struggle for me when something's going wrong for me to go, I can't fix it. Jesus, you have it. Guys, we're the toughest to reach with this, with this word of submit it completely to Christ. It is not until you completely give it over to him. It is, <laughs> there's so, been so many times in my life where I, 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 I said I was giving it to Jesus. And, and guys, guys and girls alike know what I'm talking about here. You say, I'm giving it to Jesus, but you don't really give it to Jesus. It sounds good, and you like to say that because it, it really, that's what I'm supposed to say. I, man, I done gave that to Jesus. He got that. You know, I, I'm done with that, man. Jesus got that. And the whole time, you're sitting there going, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, I'm not really sure well, how am I going to handle this situation. Jesus, you got it. Oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> Whew, it's going to be tough, ain't it? Whew, somebody give me a towel. I'm sweating. But Jesus has got it. I'm not even going to worry about that no more. Jesus has got it. Whew, I can hardly breathe over here. Jesus, you got it, right, Jesus? Yeah. That's what we do, isn't it? You know, God has to teach us stuff because we're dumb, right? You know that? Like, we're, we're really pretty dumb. So we have to figure out eventually, God goes, until you give it to me completely, you're probably going to stay in the same mess. Now, I can't promise you if you give it to him completely that it's all going to work out and it's all going to be fine and dandy. But I can promise you if you give it to him and you give it to him completely, you will have peace. I can promise you that. Now, your life may be turned upside down, but if you continue to have faith in Jesus Christ and you don't quit and you don't give up and you don't turn away from him, you will have peace. You will have peace. It will come. It may take a little while. It may take a long time, but it will come and you will have peace. If you completely give it to him and you completely stay connected to the vine, as we talked about on Sunday. Here Paul says, man, there's no human effort, nothing you can do. Human effort ain't going to accomplish nothing. Christ Jesus, though, what Christ did, that, that accomplishes everything. 
He says, people boast about, about themselves. Man, if I could boast about human effort, if anybody could boast about human effort, I could. He goes on to explain why he says that. He says, if there's anybody who could boast about human effort and, and how, how awesome they are, I could do that. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees uh, who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. I, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He says, man, if it had something to do with human effort, he said, I would have been the man. I, I would have been, I would have been, the, the, I'd have been the stuff, you know, because I did all I was in the tribe of Benjamin. I was, I was a true Israelite, man. I was a Pharisee. I had the nice clothes. I obeyed the strictest adherence to the law. I even treated this, this Jesus stuff harshly. He said, I, 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 if it had to do with human effort, I, I would know it. If human effort was going to accomplish something, I would be the one to know. If you were going to look at somebody that, that, that did something through human effort, he said, I would be the one that you would look at. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have dis discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. He's saying... I tried it all. I tried all the other ways. I tried the human effort way over and over and over again. I, I tried that. He said, and what I figured out is it all pales in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus. And, and, and there are preachers that preach this over and over again. And this is great news for us that, that, it, that human effort is nothing. Christ Jesus is everything. But I want you to take a step back from the passage a little bit. And what is Paul doing? He's encouraging these believers. Man, he's encouraging them, telling them there's nothing they can do. That Christ Jesus is the answer for everything. And sometimes I think we get so wrapped up in the minutia of what I can do, what I can do to make this right, to fix this, so that I can do this, I can do that. And really, what Christ is trying to show us is saying, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. You know when I mess up the biggest sermons? The biggest mess ups I ever have up here when I look like a fool and I'm all, you know, look like I'm about to fall asleep and all that and everybody else is asleep out there. It's when I rely on my own human effort. When I, when I get all stupid and think that I got something in me that, that makes the sermons good. When I get all ridiculously ignorant and think, man, you can do this, Kenny. Then God goes, yeah. Yeah, you sure can. Go at it, son. And I try to do it and try to manufacture something apart from the Holy Spirit. And then, and then, and then there are times when I go, God, I don't have a clue what you want to say to these people, 
but I trust your Holy Spirit, and I trust that you're going to speak to these people because you are their God, and you want them to hear straight from heaven. And I say, God, please just shut my mouth and you speak. And then I give an invitation. I say, anybody who wants to be persecuted, anybody who wants to be hated, anybody that wants to put everybody else above themselves, everybody that wants to be hungry and thirsty and poor, Everybody that wants to die and pick up their cross and follow Jesus, those people stand and then boom, like person after person after person, they start standing. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. You think if I said that, that that would change somebody? No. But when Jesus says it, it changes everybody. And that's what Paul's trying to show them here, man. It's not you. It's, it's not your ability. It's not your way. It's everything to do with Jesus. And you think circumcision is going to do something special? No. It's Christ Jesus. It's Christ Jesus. And just like Paul is telling them it's Christ Jesus, you know what you need to be doing with other believers, in particular the new believers, the new babes in Christ? You need to tell them it's not your efforts. It's Christ Jesus and what he did. He's the one that can do, in it, it can do it in and through you. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way. Paul has to do a little backpedaling here. He, he wants to be sure he doesn't gloat too much. In presidential election terms or primary terms, they call this backing out a statement. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No dear, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing. Listen to this. Paul's encouraging these new believers. And he says, I focus on one thing. If you need to focus on one thing, you listen to what Paul has to say. And I don't know why I just sang that, but listen to what Paul has to say right here. That was really weird, wasn't it? People were like, Kenny just broke out into song. It woke you up, though, right? So now you're paying attention. Maybe I should sing more stuff, and then you would pay attention more, right? Yeah, it'd make you cry more, wouldn't it? It would. You'd be crying. I'd be like, man, they are touched by that. Look at that. Jesus, you must have spoke to them. They're crying. Paul says, but I focus on one thing. One thing, you're like, man, Kenny, I need one thing to focus on this week. If I could have one thing to focus on, give me one thing to focus on between now and Sunday just to make it through, just to hang on to. I need one thing. Just give me one thing. Paul says, I got one thing for you. He says, I focus on one thing. Listen to what he says. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. What do you spend more time thinking about? What you did or what you're going to do? What, which one do you spend more time thinking about? It's just that simple, right? Paul says you got you to get that backwards. You, you can't think about what you did so much. you got to forget about what you did and think about what you're going to do. Most of us got that all backwards. We think about, oh, look what I did. Oh, look what I did. I do this on Sunday morning when the sermon stinks. You know, oh, no. Look, look how bad that stunk, you know? And then I go, no, 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 no. Next week, next, just Wednesday, you know? 
What's, what, what, how, am I going to be obedient in my studies? Am I going to be focused on what Jesus has to say? Look forward. Stop looking backwards. And there are all kinds of rearview mirror you know, illustrations that, that pastors give all the time. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say, look forward. Stop looking backwards. So that's what I focus on. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling. You know, I, I got to thinking about this, this last, this last uh, verse there. And he says, the heavenly prize. And I got to thinking about that, and I was like, yeah, pressing on towards heaven, right? Because heaven is the ultimate, like, that's, that, that's where we get the ultimate peace. That's where we don't have to worry anymore, and it's all about Christ then, and I don't have to deal with the flesh, and I don't have to deal with the struggles. I don't have to deal with cancer or sickness, or I, I don't have to deal with heartache or relationships. I don't have to deal with that. I, it's just me and Jesus, and, like, that's, that's the prize, right? I think beyond that, though, I think beyond that that you can have a heavenly mindset while you're here on earth. I think that, that if you truly recognize that it, it, it's not your efforts and it is, it's all about Christ, then, then all of a sudden the, the, the struggles and the day-to-day -day grind seem to fade in the background and you spend more time looking up towards heaven than you do looking down here at the earth and the struggles that you're dealing with all around you. I think that it's more than just the, being in the presence of heaven. I think it's having a heavenly mindset and being focused on heaven. I think it's, it's taking your eyes off, off your, your struggles right now and putting your eyes on God, which we've talked about numerous times and how if you get fixated on those things, then all of a sudden everything else starts to fade into the background. And I believe, I really believe that that's what Paul's encouraging these believers to do. Focus on Christ who is everything. Focus on Christ who, give, who is the supplier of every single thing that you need. Focus on that. Stop focusing on these human efforts that, that, that they think you're going to attain something that way. It's only Christ and Christ alone. So what about for us? How do we do that? How do we do that? I think that we get so distracted by day-to-day. -day. Um, this is something that, that happens a lot. So you, you got a friend who maybe is in a relationship and it's, it's going downhill, or maybe it's an abusive relationship, or maybe it, it's, it's a relationship that you know is not healthy for them and, and, and that kind of thing, and, and we just kind of let it go. We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't deal with that. We don't struggle together. And, and I think that isolation thing that's going on there I think that is damaging to us. I believe as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're to do exactly what Paul was doing. And he was saying, hey, brothers and sisters in Christ, get your mind focused on Jesus and the work that he accomplished on the cross and stop thinking about the human effort. And I think as followers of Christ, we need to bond together more. We need to lean on each other more. We need to lean into each other more and say, you know what? I see something in your life here that we need to pray about, me and you. You know, I, I told you uh, uh, about, about Matthew, in the book of Matthew, where Jesus, in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 18, where he's talking about how to deal with sin in the church. 
and how you're supposed to go to somebody one-on-one and deal with it. And if they don't listen then, then you're supposed to take somebody else with you. You go deal with it together. And that's where Jesus says, if, 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 you, go, if you go together, I'll be in your midst. You know, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there in the midst I will be. You know, that's what a lot of preachers say when they're talking about church services, but that's not what he's talking about. And, and, and I, I believe that, that what, what we need to do as believers is we need to go to each other more. Not for the, for the purposes of, uh, of destroying one another, but for the purposes of lifting each other up, for the purposes of encouraging each other back on the right path to, to move closer towards Jesus and not further away from him. I think that we're missing that. And I think that we can do so much better job of that. And, and you know as well as I do, if you're sitting there and you're struggling, you want that. You want somebody to take you by the hand and say, let's pray together. Let's struggle together because I have been there. I know what it's like to hurt like you've hurt. I, I, I have struggled in my own life. Let's take this to Christ because he is the only answer and he's the only one that can do anything. Human effort won't accomplish anything, but we can give it to Jesus Christ who can do everything. Why don't we do more of that? If you need to come and pray about some struggle in your life, I pray that tonight you would not pray alone. That a brother or sister in Christ would come and just put a hand on your back. Maybe they want to pray out loud. Maybe they want to pray silently. But they would just pray with you and let you know that you are not alone in your struggles. If you're intimidated about coming down here and praying, I pray that you wouldn't be. I pray that you would let God move and you would, as you, as you, you say, God, I want to give it completely to you. That, that, that's called sacrificing it. That's giving it to Jesus at an altar and saying, God, it belongs to you. It is dead to me. It belongs to you completely. I believe that there's something special about doing that at an altar. Why don't you come and just give it completely to Jesus? Not just say words, but I mean really give it to him. And let another believer come alongside of you and put a hand on your back and just pray and say, God, as they give it to you, I pray God, that I would be an encouragement to them, that I would be there for them, and I would lift them up as they struggle with giving this over to you. Please don't be intimidated to come down and pray. Please don't be shy about coming and praying with other believers. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for this word. Lord, I know the struggles in life are real. I know that divorce and cancer, God, people that are close friends that stab us in the back, God, children that, that run off and do their own thing. I, God, I know the struggles of life are real. And we don't pretend like they're not in this place. God, but what we do know is this. Through human effort, we can accomplish nothing. But by giving it to you and completely surrendering it to you, God, you can do everything. And above all else, God, you can, you can give us peace that surpasses all understanding. That when the world looks at the peace that we have, they won't be able to grasp it because it comes from you. And they don't understand peace that comes from you. So, Lord, I pray as, as, as Christ followers, we'd be an encouragement to one another. God, that we'd struggle alongside one another because we're all hurting. We're all in desperate need of you. That's, the, that's what Paul points out is we all desperately need Jesus Christ. The human effort can't do anything. So, Lord, as we come and we sacrifice things down at this altar, as we give them completely to you, Lord, as they become dead to us, Lord, I just pray. I just pray that we'd be a people that would encourage other brothers and sisters in Christ 
God, by struggling alongside of them, letting them know that they're not alone. God, all we have is each other sometimes, Lord, as we struggle, as we have heartache, God, all we have is each other. And Lord, I just pray that we would would not miss that. God, we wouldn't miss that. There's some of us here that that, that aren't struggling right now, that, that are that are pretty much okay. Things are going pretty well in our lives. And God, I pray that those people would come and lay a hand on those that are. God, because tomorrow it can be completely opposite. Lord, help us to struggle together. Help us to completely give it to you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for what you do that we cannot do. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please stand.